Aloha and welcome to our next episode of Women on Fire podcast. My name is Jamie and I am here with my lovely um, co-host Daniela and we are broadcasting from a little bit of an overcast but gorgeous Thursday morning. We try to aim for Thursday mornings and this Thursday morning just happened to land on the International Day of the Midwife. Um, So yay, hooray. We're so grateful for all of you women who serve the community and those who seek out the services. It's an honor to um, love and um, hold space for you as you transform. (laughs) And I love the coincidence today is... May 5th, and it's the day of the midwife, 2022, and we We wouldn't be here without midwives. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. and it's, yeah, thank you to all the families that, I mean, keep requesting these services, right? We've talked about this before, where, you know, they're the ones that kind of keep it alive by wanting it, right, and keeping that demand alive. Um, so this day has inspired our topic of just diving into all things about a midwife's life. There's a few different aspects of it. Um, but yeah, an opportunity for us to reflect on midwifery as we know it, of course, we can only speak from that perspective, but this is a day to celebrate all midwives, right? This isn't about one kind of midwife. It never is. It's all the midwives. Because um, we all together are like the different leaves of this ginormous tree. Um, so I'm grateful for the diversity and variety that has evolved over time. And I pray that we can all grow stronger in our unity and respect and compassion for each other. Um, as the midwife community, the midwife uh, sisterhood, locally and globally. It's my prayer today. (laughs) It's a good prayer. It's a great prayer. Yes, that we that we grow together um, instead of uh, apart um, or divisively. I think that more and more we're recognizing just even as a social um, or maybe this is my hopeful again, um, optimistic brain, but that, that different people have different needs and wants, desires, um, their space is held in its own unique way. And, and to really honor and respect the, the variations of that beautiful um, opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. That's just it. Some people want the OBs and some people want the nurse midwives and some people want the traditional midwives and the cultural midwives and the biblical midwife and the spiritual midwife and the independent midwife and the everything in between midwife that doesn't quite fit into just one category. (laughs) Um, And there's room for us all. Yes, there's room for us all. Yeah, that was really great talking to Nicole on our last episode where she saw the shift in California from no regulation to you know regulation and licensure and she's seen that shift over time and and even though she is a licensed midwife she has not you know turned into the mindset of like well that is the best and the only way and and the licensed midwives are higher than thou and everything else is inadequate no she's just like hey this is where we are and and she's happy to just befriend all kinds of midwives um, and have compassion for it all. So Yeah, well, diversity and variety makes us stronger, not weaker, right? M- varying perspectives um, is, is a valuable concept. And so it is. I think, yeah. yeah. Everyone has their own superpowers. And when we come together, we like amplify our superpowers. You know, it's like multiplied to the exponent, you know, so we're stronger together. 
I just had a visual of the Power Rangers, but like cool, <laughs> <laughs> but cooler than the Power Rangers, like way cooler. <laughs> they were already pretty cool. <laughs> yes, yes. So maybe a little avenue here to start off with could be something that's been on my mind a lot lately, which is preparing for the midwife role and as in you know when talking with moms often we're supporting them and yes preparing themselves physically for the journey but also mentally right and spiritually right it's like yeah you learn the books sure listen to the podcast but really it's about that internal mindset and also like you know dig into like if there's any unresolved things that you think you might need to finally resolve or work through because you know the labor might bring it up so so maybe work through it before whether you're the midwife or the mother (laughs) well bingo so taking that um advice we're always offering for myself so I took that this little hiatus um to like finish up some finals and projects for schools and finalize all those aspects of my journey. And then I had this extra time, like, okay, I did all the academic stuff for now. Now it's time to nourish my spirit and do some of that internal work and, and prepare the mindset. And right. So I dove into my spiritual practices, just like I would encourage, um, well, anyone to do, but the moms in preparation for the birth, right? It's like, well, in preparation for this big journey ahead, because I'm like, well, once I'm back on call, who knows when I'll be off call again? And, and we'll get into the conversation of like, well, making it sustainable. So make sure you do take some time off eventually. Um, but, you know, the reality is that's not going to be like every two months or something. Um, definitely not that <laughs> often. Unless you're in a rotating practice. Unless... That is, yeah, like a whole different paradigm that isn't where I'll be operating from, but some do because that is their answer that works for that's, them. Yeah, that goes to that sustainability piece that we'll tap totally. into in a little bit. Totally. Um, but yeah, I guess I just wanted to share some of the things that I, I've done to prepare um, to like, okay, midwifery journey ahead um, to solidify myself uh because I felt really solid in the book knowledge like right on sweet (laughs) the practical the technical the clinical like okay cool but then there's the heart of midwifery right that we're always talking about it's like okay great but then like you're human to human how to support people like the birth is this profound spiritual ceremony whether you call it that or not (laughs) like the woman feel it oh like oh that's deep I'm going somewhere. It's, it's emotional. It's whoo. Um, yeah. Like that really did just happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so preparing for the ceremony for the spiritual part of it. Um, at least just some things I did. This isn't a recipe by any means. This is just like the kind of things that work for me and nourishing my spirit has been um, I have reconnected with mantra practice. Um, well, sometimes it's daily for a few weeks and then sometimes not quite as often, but that is a way for me to pray, to have a mindful uh, sit down breathing practice. Um, the repetition of it can be very soothing for the mind and then also the practice of specific mantras for specific um energies or uh intentions so so that's just been uh what's been working for me like preparing for the for like big tests i used a mantra that's known for helping people be very um very excellent detailed to uh, detail oriented and um like great memory and being very observant and yeah just excellent students of life um so that was a fun mantra to play with 
And then a lot of reflecting and even connecting with an elder to help me reflect on these things and grow through like the mental patterns, right? Mental patterns that aren't serving me, like realizing, gosh, I've been stuck in a place with certain things for like a long time in my life and I'm ready to let go of this, <laughs> this thing once and for all, like it's, it's time. Um, and just dedicating a good chunk of time to resolve those things. Um, but right, that's the internal work that like, no one can know that for you. No one can know what's the thing that you've been wanting to overcome for like 15 years. <laughs> And then the willingness to work through it finally, again, only can come from you, um, but it's worth it. <laughs> it's kind of grueling going through it, but then once you're on the other side, ah. <laughs> um, and this is just good advice for life in general. I mean, totally. yes, preparing for midwifery, but also, yeah, taking that time to like get familiar with yourself and where your vulnerabilities are and and what you're willing to stay vulnerable with and, and what you really do want to um, leave behind or, or look at as a part of your growth, but not necessarily a part of your continued um, being or behavior, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Advice for any time of our lives, indeed. <laughs> But I do think that preparing to hold space for others, that is really essential um, to be able to get, leave your baggage somewhere so you can come in clear for someone else. Yeah, right. The or is that their fear? Is that the mother's fear? Is that the father's fear? Is, or is that like me bringing something unresolved into their space, right? Um, right and that's that attention to the subtle energies sometimes they're not so subtle <laughs> sometimes the energies are intense <laughs> but um, these are the things that aren't in the textbooks <laughs> um, that make a difference in whether someone's gonna allow themselves to open up right to dilate or not it's not just well they just dilate so it's like, ah. sometimes they just do but sometimes there's a whole lot more to it <laughs> um yeah to hold space and this is the other thing with midwives where we wear so many different hats right like we're not necessarily meant to be your only counselor or therapist or per se but there is a certain aspect of that that just happens when we get to know people because they're going through their spiritual emotional journey and you become very close and you have these open heart to hearts with each other. And sometimes you can help them problem solve and sometimes you can't, but you can just be there to help them sit with it and be open and honest with themselves about it. Um, and just be self-reflective, be that sounding right. word, um, or just help them process or, right. So in, in order to, you know, do that better with others, we got, you know, it's helpful when we can do it for ourselves too. Um, right. Or have others that, right, who holds space for those that hold space? <laughs> we need people to hold space for us. And, and I guess we might as well mention the sustainability piece because we're kind of dabbling in a bunch of circles here. Right. Because um, that is a part of it. It um, is. And, and some people choose to have a group practice where they have certain days off or absolutely have days off and then there's other folks who who have independent practices and so how do you keep um how do you stay sustainable sustainable when you don't have like that team and a lot of midwives do practice independently um because there is something about that understanding that relationship and that connection to the people that you're serving. Right. And it's hard to just pass it off to somebody else or, and knowing as a uh, hearing folks speak about what they don't like about sort of the industrialized system of meeting five people in a practice. And then you go in and you're birthing with someone you never even met before the, the sixth person or whatever, and how, 
that is, you know, a form of, of safety for some people is that continuity and that, that connection. Yeah, that was the traditional way. There was just the community midwife, midwife or midwives, and like they were the people and you knew who they were and who was going to show up for you. And not that we or really anyone in modern times can only be traditional. I mean, I would argue the very fact that you have to drive to a birth is already a place of, you know, blending the realities of contemporary and using cell phones and yeah yeah listen I would love to not have a cell phone that's like one of my like (laughs) fantasies (laughs) really would and I would love to get picked up for the births on like the bug and the horse what's it called the horse Horse and buggy yeah the horse and buggy just pick me up at my doorstep with the husband like she's in labor we've got to go oh that'd be awesome but it's like or that we live close enough to each other where I just walk to you. I mean, sometimes we do, but not always. <laughs> me. Sorry. Salud. <laughs> Salud. Yeah. So, yeah, I kind of went off on a tangent, but what I was trying to say <laughs> was uh, about traditional ways of, of um, what was it? The traditional ways of. Uh, oh before right where you just knew who the midwives were and that's who would show up it wasn't like oh I'm not on call today I am only on call three days out of the week or not and and again I have my things where that obviously I don't that I do that aren't traditional so I'm not saying anything against practices where there are rotating on call um, schedules it's just that works for them and and it's just hard to imagine for me (laughs) yeah well and that's one way that people find sustainability in that work and especially if they have families and they're juggling multiple children and things like that so it's not again yeah it's not coming from a place of dogging it it's um but that is one way but then yeah the there are a lot of independent midwives and it goes back to you saying like oh when, when I go on call who knows when I'll be off call again and (laughs) Um, and there really is something to that too I mean I've been doing this for you know 10 years and do have a family and you know the past two vacations I've had I went for work so (laughs) (laughs) I haven't really been off call like officially off call in several years um which is interesting. And how do I, how do I manage that? Well, I try to get in the forest a lot. (laughs) Right. Don't get too lost in like the rat race style. I mean, because it happens, right? We're so passionate and we're like, we're all in, we pour our entire soul and being into this work because we're all about it, because it's our calling, because we see how it will have a global impact for generations to come. And it's so deep and huge and amazing. And, and, and we can get lost in it sometimes. (laughs) Well, there's the, the work and then there's like all the stuff around it too. It's not like, you know, there's paperwork, there's making teas, there's making, taking random text messages and phone calls. It's not just the birth, it's the whole pregnancy, the postpartum. I mean, we stay connected with people for years after and juggling all of that and everybody's different intense personalities and, and worries or thoughts or experiences and how do you not take it all on like with you know burnout is a real thing in midwifery too and um that's yeah yeah. I mean some people are burnt out before they even finish school (laughs) on the goal right now exactly I know so many students who are like um I haven't even finished my apprenticeship and I'm burnt out like (laughs) what and then and it's heartbreaking but that's very common mm-hmm. um I'm grateful that I didn't have that experience you know there might be a lot of factors part of it was like I didn't have the most rigorous apprenticeship as in I didn't have like eight births every month for, for the years like that wasn't the case I think a busy month maybe was like five births um but then there would be the months where it was like okay maybe it's one <laughs> Um, I think maybe you had something busier in your time, but 
but yeah, in case anyone didn't know, spoiler alert, midwifery has a high rate of burnout. And yeah, those are some of the reasons why, like you mentioned, yeah, this nonstop on call, always have to be ready to drop everything and be sharp and alert and ready to go at any given moment. Um, yeah. And yeah, that there's a lot to it. Um, the paperwork and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> the mundane yeah, well, stuff doesn't feel so sacred sometimes, but it's still a part of it. <laughs> right. And I think two different midwives have different parts of their practice, right? Some do body work, some do like nourishment, some do, you know, different, different aspects um, of, of their care. And that all like comes into play too. Like, I think even for us, you know, we're doing a childbearing circle and you do body work for women and I do meals for folks. And um, yeah, it's a lot of extra that, uh, is sort of behind the scenes because um, I think too people look at these pictures or these images of Instagram and these beautiful births or you know whatever and they're like oh they kind of fantasize about what what it is and and yes that fantasy is reality but there's more to that reality yeah right <laughs> behind that picture as perfect photo of that perfect moment, what folks don't see is all the work behind it. Yes, from the midwife, but also from the mother of everything she did to be really intentional with her food and to build her blood and to process the emotional stuff that was coming up and all the tears and, and all the breakthroughs and the triumphs and the challenges and then the conversations with the partner <laughs> supportive and the mother-in-law that wasn't supportive or whatever, right? You don't see all that, but that's why that won't, moment and thus the picture can be so freaking epic because it's like damn they don't see everything that that woman like fought for to get well to and that's place. that ceremony piece yeah. right like it it takes preparation to get to that ceremonial like that's part of ceremony right like acknowledging and preparing and 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 honoring as opposed to just like motoring through. Totally. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. It's, I'm honored you get to do this. It is such a such a gift. And and it is also, I think, we do sort of motor through. And then when we realize what we're really doing as midwives and how we hold space and all the juggling, it's um super humbling. Uh, <laughs> yeah, to be like, wow, you know, and, and a lot of the work is done with the mothers have to do the work, but we have to hold the space. Yeah. We're the container, right, of that and um, are, are part of the container. And it's, yeah, it's pretty, pretty amazing stuff. Yeah. Pretty amazing so stuff. I'd like to share <clears throat> a little bit about the midwife I mentioned um, to you before we were recording about Doña Jesusita, who was a midwife in uh, New Mexico. That's where she was from um, back in the day. So I just kind of want to honor, you know, the midwives that helped all of us get to where we are in some way, distant or not so distant for others. Um, right, just honor the legacy of midwives around the world. Um, I have something, I'm just gonna read a little bit about her. Um, Doña Jesusita Aragón was her last name. All right. Okay, a little short bit about her. She was a healer and midwife of Northern New Mexico. In her seven decades of on the job, delivered more than 12,000 babies. The population of a good sized New Mexican town. I know that's, like hard to fathom. <laughs> uh, born on a ranch in Sapello, known as El Rancho Trujillo, in 1908, she delivered her first baby when she was only 13 years old. This is a quote from her. My grandmother, Dolores Gallegos, a midwife, taught me, Jesusita recalled. She wasn't there and that day, she wasn't there that day because she went to deliver another baby. One of my aunts had a baby, so I had to help her but I knew everything. Her tia Valentina, the curandera in the family, taught her the use of traditional healing herbs. Jesusita became interested in healing as well as delivering babies. 
I wanted to go to school to be a nurse, said Jesusita, but years ago, they didn't believe in education. I only went to the eighth grade and it was all in Spanish. It's a miracle that I can talk a little English. I learned reading the papers. As a single mother with a son and daughter, she was a sole provider for her family. She cut wood and carried it to build her own house as well as the furnishings. She cared for her family by gardening and raising animals. In 1942, she moved to Las Vegas, where she supported her children by washing clothes, cleaning houses, making tortillas, and delivering babies. Okay, almost done. The birthing room she set up in front of her house held 10 beds. I used to, I used to deliver nine or 10 a night, she recalled, charging $10 a birth. <laughs> I used to deliver 200 to 215 a year. Among her deliveries were 27 sets of twins and two sets of triplets. Wow. Yeah. And I remember a while ago reading about her. It mentioned she event. There was something there about her kind of having to step away from practicing um, partially um, due to licensure changes. Right. And she's like, well, she's like, I'm 70 something or whatever. Like, like, I don't know. I, <laughs> I'm not going to like, I, I know my stuff. Like I'm going to just be low key. So I think she kind of kept practicing, but it was low key. And um, yeah, that's like, here's this legendary woman and she had a very long career. And, and I want to ask her, how did she keep going all those years? What helped her keep going? And I want to be like doing the laundry and making, <laughs> right? Doing the laundry, making tortillas, raising children. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> well, and to have <clears throat> a space in front, I mean, to have 10 babies a, a night, even that, right? Like to think about as a birthing person to be birthing in a space with nine other women or um on some level it seems really beautiful I mean we used to live so much more in community you know now everything is private and I don't want anyone to see my butthole or whatever it is you know? yeah. um and it reminds me a little bit of the sister circles that we're holding of you know pregnant and postpartum women together right like that sisterhood um but also could be quite scary if someone was having a hard time that's just so fascinating i what a great little snippet thank you for sharing about her but yes how did she sustain i i don't know <laughs> i have no idea it's funny my shirt even says sustainable on it this morning sustainable that <laughs> is the intention we pray to do our best to do that for ourselves because well, you know, for our mental well-being, but also so that the mothers can receive the best care and not just some compassion-fatigued version of the care. Right. <laughs> or just, like, too tired kind of care. Um, yeah, I do want to be able to do this for a long time. And, right, boundaries, making sure. Oh, we mentioned earlier before we were recording, though, our why, right? Like, I do know a midwife who... You know of course she cares a lot about midwifery and birth and she sees the things but it she did very much so choose it like she had a few options like what am I going to do with my life like well, yeah, sure midwifery sounds cool right on but if not too many years in burnt out because she's like the why wasn't necessarily that strong yet so she had to go take time away for a few months to recharge and regroup but also figure out her why <laughs> like why does this matter like when you're at your wit's end, like, why does this matter? Why am I doing this to myself? <laughs> well, and this, I think, can come into play again with any any um, work that you're going to do with your life, right? So it doesn't, yes, midwifery is hard because the hours are very inconvenient and constant. And, um, you know, you your family does have to sometimes come second and things like that. You have to have partnerships of people who understand that, like, keep inviting me, hopefully I'll show up one day, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, um, but there is a piece of it when it's your profession versus when it is your life's work and those don't have to, or your heart's work, you know, and those don't have to be separate, but if 
you're looking at it through just uh, like, that's going to be my profession. It is easier to get burnt out than if you can really recognize the deeper. And again, this is across all anything that you're going to do with your life, right? Like, um, can you sit behind a desk and feel like happy and, and that the work you're doing is important and makes an impact and that, you know, cause if not, you'll probably end up being burnt out or, um, hard on yourself or your relationships outside. Um, but especially I think when it comes to midwifery, because it is such a high de- demand of time and energy and personalities. And, um, you know, you meet so many different people and you might not agree with, with a lot of their philosophies in life. And yet you guys are on this path together. And so to even set, be able to set aside differences and, um, honor people where they're at, that's a lot of work. It is a lot of work to, to not get judgy or get, um, uh, but it's also a really great opportunity to continue to explore yourself and your own growth and expansion of what you can tolerate or what is important. So, sorry, yeah. that's a little tangent. My, no, my pregnancy brain is definitely getting very floaty. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I'm not pregnant and I'm right there with you. I'm floaty and I'm like, I'm totally following your tangent. I'm like, yeah, totally. I got stuff to say about that too, for sure. I'm, well, you made me think of, you know, boundaries where it's like, yeah, we got to meet people where they're at and working with different people. And there's that. And then there is a place where there is a line and the line is somewhere different for everybody, but there's a place where it's not right to cross it, where it's like, actually, we are genuinely just not (laughs) compatible for some reason or another. And it might not necessarily have anything to do with someone being high risk per se. I mean, it might, that might be it. Um, but you know, what is high risk to s- someone is different for the next person. Breach is a great explanation for is, is a, is a great, like basic topic for this, because of course we always like to touch on breaches or twins or whatever, but, you know, I always think that there's sometimes you're willing to, to go, um, certain fringes with, with people and you, and then you're faced with it again. You're like, well, I've gone there before. Why does it not feel appropriate now, you know, or I've supported, you know, and I'm encouraging of women exploring their options when it comes to a baby who's in an alternative position or whatnot. But at the same time, like it doesn't really, that's great that I might be comfortable with it, but it doesn't, it's not really about me. It's about the the person I'm serving. And so I'm not going to coerce you into that. Everything is okay and fine and safe. If that's not the vibe I'm reading, you know, that that's, um, that's work that, that, that person who's actually going to do the birth thing, <laughs> they need to, they need to reflect. And so if they're like wishy-washy about it, then suddenly I'm like, well, I don't know how I feel about it. If you don't know how you feel about it, like that doesn't feel safe to me. If you're not really like looking at actually committing or you know, diffusing your own fears or whatnot. And so that can come across with various aspects of, of what we, um, of what we come across where, yeah, you're like, well, I've been here before I've done this, you know, a dozen times, but why does it not feel right now? Yeah. And that's the art of midwifery. And that's why Sometimes people have a hard time doing it because you got to be artful. It's not just a formula. If only it were so easy to just, right? Look at the formula and know what the answer is or what the pieces are. Just follow that. But no, we got It was just a math problem. (laughs) There's only one answer. (laughs) If only, if only. And some people like to make it seem like it can work that way. But we've seen a lot of people hurt through the formulaic maternity system. The reality is, yeah, this is an opportunity to for right the moms to tune in, the midwives to tune in to the uniqueness of that particular moment and that particular baby and circumstance and situation, right? Yeah, it's like we're not saying all the babies that are breached should be born at home, but they should all know that that's enough. 
a possibility or even be be born vaginally but but to to deny yeah yeah and that too that comes back to like how do you stay sustainable how do you stay in your clear mind to be able to sort of like figure out is that my stuff is that your stuff who's who does that belong to whatever it is that that energetic like um strength or fear right like I, just because I feel good about it doesn't mean anything. If the woman doesn't feel good about it, then that, that's the bottom line. That's, right. The confidence, the, the, the it feeling right or knowing that it's the right choice needs to come from her from within instead of her relying on your confidence or <clears throat> sense of it. I mean, you know, you can play off of each other, but ultimately it's like when women are, you know, we can tell women all day long, I believe in you. You've got this. But if she doesn't believe it, like, well, we ain't going very far. <laughs> it's good right. like, from inside, right? Like, you got to be your own best internal coach. <laughs> yeah. You got to yeah. believe in yourself. Totally. Right? It's got to come from within. And that's why I love birthing from within the book, the model, the teachings, the philosophy of it, because that's the reality. It has to come from within all of it. So also you reminded me earlier, yeah, of having the right mental stuff as Dr. Stu puts it, uh, the right mental stuff. And this applies to, yes, the birthing woman, but also her family, whoever's going to be there with her throughout the process. And also, right, so the entire birth team, including the midwife, uh, the right mental stuff. And it's, you know, it looks different from situation to situation, but it's that it's the, what's the internal belief system? What is the feelings around it? What is the, the trust level in the body and the, in the baby in what's the confidence level there? What's the level of fear? Um, you know, and, and which one's winning? <laughs> You know, is the fear taking over? Is there more doubt than there is trust? Where's the fear coming from? Is the person willing to look into that fear to try to diffuse it? Or are they clinging to it? Is it what's telling the story? Are they relying on somebody else to make the decisions for them and tell them what they should or shouldn't do or or to let them know that it's okay or to give them permission or are they taking responsibility for those things? Yeah, the mental stuff. The mental stuff. And that too, right? Like, so we touched again, we kind of like chatted always, as always, right before (laughs) we start recording. But even that, like preparing for as a midwife on the way to the birth and like preparing. And especially if you're like, you were tied up doing something else or you're running from one birth to the next because they're back to back or whatever. And what are you thinking about or what are you preparing for on your way there? And, and we talked, touched a little bit on this of like, you know, some, some midwives are praying. Some midwives are um, thinking about the birth they just left. Some midwives are, are, um, you know, uh, trying to tune in to where this woman they're going to might be at. What is she bringing to the table? What are her fears? What are her, um, sometimes you're dealing with your own stuff. I mean, I recently had that situation that, um, I had a mom who was, you know, borderline high risk and I was worrying about her. And then on the way to her birth, I was like, oh, these are the things I should be worried about, but I'm not worried at all. (laughs) (laughs) And I tuned into it. And I didn't need to be, you know, like the things that should have probably worried me. um, I really kind of tried to unpack them on the way there and be like, why am I not worried about that? And I didn't have an assistant at the birth or you know, that's that angle too, where it's like, sometimes even that choosing to like, be totally independent and, and like, so recognizing, okay, well, this could happen, but like, I'm not feeling that. And this, anything could always happen, right? So that not to deny the fact that like, you can't have surprises or whatnot. But yeah, like, 
filtering through the things that really could be a possibility and then being like, yeah, no, also not feeling that. Nope. Nope. Okay. Feel clear. Feel like this is going to be smooth and beautiful. And, um, and then really on the other side, talking to you about it, I spoke to somebody else about it where I was like, that was so interesting because I felt like I was supposed to be afraid <laughs> and I just wasn't. <laughs> right. Well, and you could have gone there if you let yourself overthink it, right? right? If you just get caught up in the formulaic approach to it, it's like, well, no, no, no. One plus one does tend to equal two, <laughs> but somehow in birth, it doesn't always equal two. <laughs> right. Right. And that's that intuition piece. Uh, yeah. And to be able to distinguish the voices of like, okay. Like, well, like you said, where does the fear come from? But I really want to harp on that because that's a huge piece for the moms to figure out and us to figure out whose fear is it. Wait, am I fearful? Because this is just kind of intense and scary and it's new and everyone says I should be afraid or or is it actually coming from within a, a voice trying to tell me like this is not okay and it can be tricky to distinguish but just knowing that that's the goal to know that you are better for it if you're able to distinguish them right right <laughs> and that's why we say don't run from the fear like if you're fearful of something like you better go into it follow it all the way through because that's the only way to resolve it right dismantle it mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. go through it assess it smell it taste it <laughs> what is well, it and if it's not yours it's easier to let go of but if it's yours right, right that's the growth yeah and even the growth of realizing oh shit that isn't my fear i've been carrying around someone else's shit <laughs> that's a really powerful realization too of like oh just identifying the source is a whole process um and the more you do it the easier it becomes right? yes and this is why it's not the spiritual journey right you know how they always say it's like you got to know yourself. Who are you? Like, really, this is it. Knowing yourself. And when you know yourself, you know your voice. And it's easier to identify when the voice is coming from elsewhere. Right. Right. Uh, and this is why, you know, this isn't a formula. Like, hey, this is how you do the spiritual learn. <laughs> Go through these steps and you'll figure it out. Like, no, it's not that kind of podcast because that's just not how it works. But knowing that that's that's the, just the thing to dive into. Yeah. And to find out what your spiritual practices are or your like tuning in or the, the whole self love piece, forgiveness and, and, and curiosity to explore and to be humble enough to recognize that you have growing to do, um, you know, that, that, you're never going to know everything. And, um, as, as a mother, as a, as a, uh, as a midwife, as, as a human, right. That the whole point of this experience is to continue to, you, you can't just be wise, <laughs> you know, wisdom comes from, from those places of, of, digging into your vulnerabilities, facing them, um, and, and then deciding what's how the best way to move forward. And again, the best way to move forward today might not be the best way to move forward when you hit that same lesson, right? How many times do we have to have a lesson over and over again, you know, <laughs> like, but you'll, you'll, you may navigate it differently, even if it seems exactly the same and, and to give yourself that grace to like, do those things too right yeah yeah be willing to grow be willing to go there be willing to sit with the discomfort and maybe even the scary to be willing to not run away but actually run into it <laughs> right my friend is a art teacher and we talk all the time about how everybody should have to sit through like artist critique because 
it is hard to hear people talk about like, especially your creations, right? You've made this creation and you're so proud of it, but then someone is like, well, it doesn't really speak to me or I'm not sure what you're trying to say here or I would have done differently. Da, da, da. And that's <laughs> critique. And it's hard to hear that because it's like, or maybe you're not so proud of it, but you had to put it up in front of the class because that was the assignment and you needed to get it done. <laughs> and, and how it's actually so good for the soul to be able to take it in, but not take it personally. Mm -hmm. um, and to, to find a place where like, okay, so there, cause criticism and then there's constructive criticism. Right. And, and a lot of people have a hard time accepting constructive criticism, um, where it's not personal. It's just like, you know, this is where, this is where I could see some growth. And instead of getting defensive and like, you know, like just, to open your heart to that of like, yeah, I can grow. And, and this goes back to our conversation with Nicole too. You have five people in the same room and they all have a different experience of the same experience. You know, you might find another person who's just in love with that piece of art and they don't even care what it means, but they want to like take it home. <laughs> <You know? laughs> they love it more than you. And in fact, you actually didn't really like it, but you put it up there. <laughs> yeah. So um, but that, yeah. And, and that, um, self-critique, but not like, don't beat yourself up over these things. Right. We all have these places to, to expand. Yeah. Right. Don't get, stuck. we're our own worst, we're our own worst critic. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's all a process. It's not like we are spiritual. We are wise. We have accomplished the things. We have our medal and it's done. We have the medal of confidence. It's done. like, no, all of it is continuous growth forever. Yeah. It's not like, oh, I did the self-reflection. I am good. I have processed all I ever have to process. Like, no, there's always more. <laughs> yeah. So, so also just embracing that, like, okay, it's a process. It's a journey that is never ending always refining and just giving ourselves permission to keep growing. Um, I think not getting stuck is uh, um, sometimes a challenge. And sometimes, you know, maybe that is part of the process and the lesson is like, well, is getting stuck and, and then realizing that it sucks to get stuck <laughs> and that you don't want right. to get stuck. And, and that will gr help you grow the courage to want to be unstuck. <laughs> right. So, right trusting those parts of the process too. Um, yeah, well, growing pains are real. And yes, <laughs> my um, children are complaining about them on a regular basis right now. <laughs> and we're so darn grateful that they're growing. We wouldn't yes, want we it are. any other way, right? Exactly. <laughs> Even exactly. though you're like, oh, my babies are getting big. My babies. <laughs> yes. It's good, it's good. Um, I think one of my last thoughts here on, um, you know, how to keep midwifery sustainable or make it sustainable along the way is the community piece mm -hmm. to, even if you are a solo practicing midwife, that's fine. You don't mm -hmm. have to be in practice to have community, to have other midwives to rely on. And in some communities, maybe the sisterhood just ain't quite there, unfortunately. And thank goodness for the modern technology where you can have your global sisterhood. Have yes. somebody you call that's there for you, maybe to help process that amazing birth or the gnarly birth or just someone who gets it too, because there's some things about midwifery that only midwives and other, you know, yeah, you know, some people just don't quite get it. <laughs> other yeah. moms that have been through it um a place to download a, per a person to to reflect with yeah damn jamie i think you might have played like a ginormous role in why maybe i didn't burnt out <laughs> as a student you were always freaking there like something would come up and you would somehow make the space amongst your amazingly full schedule of midwife and mother to make room for Daniela to process the stuff. <laughs> and because, yeah, some of it, it can be hard to hold it all on our, on our own. It's like, oh, we carry, we carry, it's tight, it's tight. Like, 
we can break under the pressure under the weight well, and of it's all. it's vice versa too Ooh. i mean i think as somebody who's sort of trying to guide uh someone who's up and coming to admit our vulnerabilities or our worries in front of them instead of just staying strong you know and you also provided me with that opportunity of a place of being like i don't know what i'm feeling about this i should know <laughs> yeah i think that's part of why i mean there's so many reasons we've grown close over the years but part of it was that you always respected me for just where i'm at like i'm i am where i'm at but you didn't look down at me like oh just the student and i'm the teacher and i'm gonna show you what's up <laughs> that was never yeah. the hierarchy energy at all you're always just a friend and that's what i always hope to bring even into the space when we're with clients you yeah. know like i don't i i have a wealth of of experience and information and yet this is a reciprocal relationship you know that this this person i'm sitting in front of also has something to offer me um in order for the pieces to all fit together and um yeah i'm really i'm i'm grateful for that perspective because i know that um it doesn't always come naturally for folks you know but it is I, I agree. Having someone you can lean into that you can just really just be yourself um, when you're trying to tackle those those wonders um, is so important. Yeah. yeah, I mean, maybe you also have a, a therapist and and but sometimes a therapist doesn't really know birth work. So <clears throat> there's like birth trauma specific um, therapists um so maybe find someone like that or but yeah and maybe learn. your partner isn't always the best person either so to <laughs> yeah. keep that in mind of like you know sometimes as a midwife your relationships with your partner or even with really close friends like i said keep inviting me i hope i can show up <laughs> at some point you know but like keeping that in mind that it's really if you're not choosing this line of work sometimes it's difficult for those around us to always um have to be the ones who are being downloaded on as well so checking in with that so your other relationships stay healthy um is really important as well yeah yeah so have a your network your community um <clears throat> and if you don't have one we're here for you <laughs> build it absolutely Women on fire podcast uh, at gmail.com <laughs> we can yeah. be your community <laughs> yeah, absolutely oh you reminded me of something and then it left my brain but but the other thing was also that yeah it, it is okay to say i don't know like the pressure of being like the one with all the answers like nobody has all the answers even if they're pretending to like they're pretending <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's better to not pretend. It's better to just be honest and say, I'm not sure. Let's um, let's dive into this together. Let's figure it out together. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Thanks I'll for the opportunity. Like, yeah. Right. It's okay to just be human and be real and be authentic about it. Yeah. Let's see if I can remember what you said about. Oh, it's a good thought I wanted to share. Let's see something about having your people to download with, but maybe not always your partner, but your friends. Oh, well, I guess debriefing, maybe just like make sure you. Yes. Because, um, like make the time for it one way or another. Again, so you're not just holding it and sometimes not knowing what to do with it or how to make sense of it and then getting, getting stuck with it and then getting busy with the next things and then you never really dealt with that one thing so it's just stuck in there somewhere. But yeah figure out a time a way To talk it out and sometimes you got to dance it out or go and swim it out or be in nature there's that too. Um, but also for like the mental piece of understanding things, right? To grow through them too. Well, I think especially if you're working with assistants and things like that, that's so critical because that ends up being that point where then you can eventually have nonverbal communication because you've talked out some of the things, even really great births. We're not talking about just debriefing when things are, are harder or hairier, mm -hmm. you know, like, wow, that was really great how 
we sort of just stepped into that role and were able to accomplish that. And, and nobody knew that there was an issue or that there was like something we were a little bit like watching extra, you know, like really having that as a place um, with partnership, not your private, you know, relationship, but in a partnership with other midwives or with other people you're practicing with. It is so important to have something bigger than just that, like only when we're in the office together relationship. Yeah. It's not about just being super chatty that let's talk about like, no, the talking yes, helps our (laughs) mental stability, but it helps us grow and reflect and become better individuals and also better teammates for each other because we can understand each other better. And, and thus when we're in those birth spaces, yeah, we can just flow a little better or a lot better. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Again, I can think of instances just recently where you know I mean just recently having you come to a birth because the other person couldn't show up they didn't they weren't answering their phone and how I was so grateful that I mean not that I didn't want to work with the other person but you were the perfect person to be there because it did get a little hairy and it was really nice because we have such a flow um, that it didn't feel like there was a lot of instruction going on. It was just sort of like taking care of what needed to happen. Um, And that was, there, there is something so important about that, about having like good connections with those who you attend births with. Yeah. Nourishing those relationships, like really taking the time to nurture them in whatever ways are needed. Um, but yeah, right. I was able to just jump into the mix with you. Like I've never met this mom, but I can get to know her real quick and I know what you need and I know how to be in the flow with you. Well, and even her reflection, I mean, I had never liked to bring someone to a birth if they've never met, but at the same time, like that woman felt very confident in our comfortability, right. That she was she was more than happy to have you there because she could just tell that it was like just so smooth right um so that's her reflection of the of the situation which is really nice to see too and that's why all of this matters right because the mothers are in this heightened state of awareness in labor of course especially so but even in the pregnancy and then the postpartum and Recently, we were with a mom who's like getting closer to her due date. And she's like, oh, and the closer I get to my due date, the, the more anxious I get. And, and a lot of people kind of get that way. But it just speaks to how sensitive someone could be to having that spin out of control if it's being fed, right? If someone who's kind of on the edge of anxiety is met with a provider who's like really fearful, then that's going to, you know, feed their fear. And it's this vicious cycle. Whereas if we can hold our ground, right? And that's why we've got to do that internal work and always keep ourselves in check and make sure we're at our best as much as humanly possible with, you know, being graceful with ourselves too. (laughs) Um, So that we can be these grounded forces for the mother to do her thing and not throw her out of balance just because we're out of balance right right she's gonna do whatever she's gonna do and maybe she will go off on some crazy trip but it's not gonna be because of us <laughs> exactly exactly yeah. yeah that's why all of this matters yeah mm-hmm. sustainability and, <laughs> and yeah. and the reason why we need to stay sustainable because you know the other reality is when when the midwives world is kind of spinning, that's when there are going to be more challenging deliveries, or even if it wasn't, isn't so challenging, it might feel more challenging. It might feel, you know, um, because the mothers do, they, they feed off of what we bring in to the room, um, whether they're aware of it or not, they, they, it, it does play a a role. So, yeah. Well, happy International Day of the Midwife. To Happy you. Midwives yeah. Day. To all our teachers. Midwife yourself. Take good care of yourself. <laughs> Please do take care of your fellow midwives, sisters. Yes. Be 
grateful to all the midwives that have come before us, the ancestor midwives, the lineage that we all stand upon, right? It is due to all those midwives of the past that we are here now. So thank you. um, Thank you to all of you out there doing the work day in, day out. Truly, I see you. We see you. We love you. Stay strong. Take care of yourselves. Love yourselves. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All righty. Until next time. Aloha.